This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 41, Part 2. Eddie needed to think. He needed some luck. He needed a magic trick. That's it, he thought. Juliet had said that the place where they buried her grandmother was magical. If Letty was the necromancer everyone said she was, maybe, just maybe, she could help even from beyond the grave. If ever Eddie needed divine support, this was that time. The next thing he knew, Eddie was pulling back the overgrown entrance to the slave burial ground. He looked over his shoulder and stepped inside. Even at dusk, the graveyard was intimidating. Mirrors, cups, other mementos were left at grave sites. Hardened candle wax was frozen, half poured on stones. On others, chicken feathers and a smattering of claws. Eddie spied a half-buried pipe in the ground like he'd seen before. "'Tis a means to commune with the dead," Juliet had called them. Eddie found a discarded pipe at his feet and continued to walk to Letty's grave. Adrenaline coursed through his veins. Was he really doing this? Talking to the dead? All alone? It was frightening to think about, but Eddie knew it was for a good cause. He knelt at Letty's grave. The mound of dirt where they had buried the black cat bones was still unsettled. Rolling up his sleeves, Eddie crouched down and began to dig with his bare hands. What am I doing? He tried to convince himself to leave, but as if in a trance, he kept on digging. Then he placed the pipe halfway in the ground and covered it just enough to steady it into place. He took a moment to compose himself. It wasn't every day one sought counsel from the dead. He swallowed hard and spoke into the pipe. Hello, he said, feeling more stupid than afraid. Hello, Letty. It's Edgar Allan Poe. I need your help. It's about Juliet. Here we go, he said to himself. Then he mustered all the strength he could and placed his ear to the pipe. A low moan came from deep within the ground. It's working, he said. His heart raced. His mind reeled. His fear of ghosts and things long dead filled his head to a cacophonous thunder. And then... He pulled away. For a boy obsessed with stories of ghosts and spirits, when faced with the option to conjure one, he just couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Letty. Whoever you are, I just, I just can't, he said. He stood up quickly, dusted the graveyard dirt from his knees for the second time that day, and left as quickly as he could. He resolved to tell Juliet everything. It would be the hardest thing he ever had to do, but he would tell her, just not tonight. Eddie needed to calm down after the burial ground and the horrible news about Juliet before that, so he headed to Mrs. Burling's tavern, where he knew he would be offered dinner, and Nez would offer him a pint. When his stomach was full and his head was abuzz, Eddie thanked the Burlings and left for home. By the time he got there, everyone had gone to bed, so Eddie hopscotched over the weak boards he had long ago memorized. He had no sooner collapsed onto his bed when he heard the faint whisper of a woman crying. He removed his boots and snuck back down the hall to check on Ma, but she was sleeping peacefully. He didn't have to look in Nancy's room at all. She was snoring like a sow, and still the sobs persisted. Eddie turned back towards his room at the back of the house. Faint wisps of flickering light 
rose up the rear stairwell. As he neared, candlelight bellowed from the cellar two floors below. Juliet! He whispered like a disturbance among crickets. All went quiet. Then, ever so softly, she replied, You need something, Eddie? May I come down? He asked. It was an announcement more than a question. He had already begun to descend the stairs. By the time Eddie reached Juliet's room, she had wiped away most of her tears. Are you all right? He asked. She paused before shaking her head no. What is it? They ain't going to let me go. Who? He asked. Father Courtney? Did he give your ship ticket away? No, not that. I had to give him an answer, though. Your pa is out of town, and your ma couldn't help. So I went to Mr. Ellis myself with all my savings. Three hundred and four to six dollars. Why didn't you tell me you were going today? I could have helped you. You're never around these days, Eddie. And today was the deadline. So I went to your pa's office to explain everything just like I've been practicing. Mr. Ellis said my price is nearly threefold of what I got. Twelve hundred dollars, Eddie. Twelve hundred. Juliet stumbled on the last few words, and for the first time, Eddie saw her cry. Even trying to hold it back, she couldn't contain her quivering lip, nor the single tear that trailed down her cheek. Eddie's sadness turned to rage. Twelve hundred? What? The deed said eight hundred. Eddie prayed Juliet didn't hear him, but he knew he was wrong. Their eyes latched, and he watched her slowly process his words. I mean, uh, he stumbled. I, I, I didn't. You found my papers? You didn't say anything? No, I, Jules, I can explain, he insisted. It's not like that, really. It just looks bad. It looks bad. You knew and you didn't say a word? Desperate to explain, the weaver of words had none. Please, you don't understand. It's not like that. Let me make this all right. Sadness and anger and deception crippled Juliet's gaze. You've done enough, Edgar. Please, leave me be. But Juliet, please. Eddie, I say go. Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable scholars and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.